0: Okay, like, both of us will pretend that we're wearing pants without an elastic waistband, and we'll just move from there.
1: So, how do I play this? Do I pretend I just woke up from a Rip Van Winkle sleep into a pandemic? What pandemic? Shtick. Do I express my earnest contrition for taking an unannounced year off from my podcast? Which does, in fact, have a few listeners who do appear to enjoy its presence in their lives, and who might even express that enjoyment with monetary donations, and who might have found it a bit of a help in the darkest days of the pandemic. Do I just act like nothing happened? Well, something clearly did happen, and the world is plenty different than it was when I last recorded an episode. Thankfully... My guest today is Sarah Walsh, a comedian, visual artist, and creator from Newfoundland, and she's an expert at taking dark subject matter and making something delightful from it. I can't really think of anyone better to wake this show up from its slumber. She hosts a show of her own called The Odd Ends, cataloging unusual ways to die. Today we talk about undiagnosed ADHD, stage fright, being a woman in comedy, the weirdness of aging, and learning how to give less of a fuck. Welcome back, everyone. This is your mixtape. Why don't we call it a sentient guitar wearing one platform sneaker? I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Sarah, welcome to the show.
0: Hello, thank you for having me.
1: It is a great pleasure. And so as you know, this show, I get people on to talk about music, but also about their life. And people choose five songs, which represent either five different periods of their life or five aspects of their life or something like that. But before we get into that, I like to sort of spend a couple of minutes getting to know the person, uh, particularly because some of the listeners might not know who you are. So why don't you introduce yourself briefly?
0: Okay. Hi. Uh, My name is Sarah Walsh. I'm from Newfoundland. Uh, Everybody gets mad about how we pronounce that, but we don't pronounce it right either. So, I mean, I feel like it's all ultimately okay. I'm a comedian. So that means that I make tens of dollars a year and tell fart jokes to strangers, sometimes for money, sometimes for beer tickets. I also do my own project that's called The Odd Ends. It's a storytelling project where once a week I pick an unusual way that somebody has died in this crazy world outside, and I do a video about it, which is probably healthy.
1: <laughs> is, that, is that on YouTube? Can people um, like watch that there? Or how, how can people see that? Because like, that's a super cool idea for a project. Thank
0: you. Uh, they can go on Facebook, they can follow us that way, or uh, also Instagram. Which is great for, you know, when you don't know how to feel about yourself and you're staring at your own face every day that you're editing it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know how that feels. Um, I'm not at all hyper aware of my vocal tics after doing 45 episodes of a 90 minute podcast.
0: Oh my god, this is like, you know when you're a kid and you first get your your cell phone and you have to record the outgoing message? And you're like, is that my voice? But it's like that, (laughs) except every day. And I'd expected to grow out of it by now. And it has not happened.
1: So your project is about the odd ways that people die, uh, and you're also a comedian, which makes me wonder like, is there sort of some black humor involved here or some dark humor?
2: uh dark
0: humor followed by probably irrational fears just being given more weight than i think i should be giving them (laughs) uh it's it's neat like you know you find out uh new and exciting things that you should maybe avoid for your own good and uh then you make little jokes about them while you're internally terrified it's good i think it's i think it's a reasonably healthy way to fixate on this
1: yeah well i mean Speaking seriously, we all have to come to terms with death somehow, and this seems like one good way to do it, so...
0: I-I don't mean to alarm you, but-but that is how this ends.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I will be the first one that it doesn't happen to. Me!
0: I've decided.
1: The main character of life.
0: (laughs) No, that's valid. I mean, somebody's gotta do it. Why not you? Why not tomorrow? Who knows?
1: Oh my goodness. Alright, so, uh, you grew up in Newfoundland. You're still based there, correct?
0: Correct
1: nice so i am also from newfoundland originally although i've been up here in toronto for about 11 years now but <laughs> it means that i have some familiarity with um the cultural context you're gonna be coming from why don't we get on to your first song uh what do we have up first
0: well i'll tell you what i want what i really really want Don't so tell me what
2: you want
1: Are you going to jump in? You're supposed
2: to... I need backup singers here.
1: Well, which spice would I be?
0: (laughs) Former Newfie spice?
1: Yes, I don't... That's that's Mount Sio savory spice, I guess.
0: I mean, yeah, well, when I was like six, my mom told me I was shitty attitude spice, and I've never actually (laughs) shaken that off.
1: That is a great line to put on your CV. Oh, maybe not, depending where you're <laughs> applying for jobs, but shitty attitude spice is a very good tagline.
0: Uh, you know what, and I think it sums me up pretty well, in that, like, I'm accessible, most people do feel similarly, however, I get to be the forefront of shitty attitude.
1: Oh, oh yeah, and if anyone heard the, uh, the lyric and then the song clip and didn't recognize it, we are talking about Wannabe by the Spice Girls. <laughs> also, welcome to the planet Earth.
0: They were big once, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: they were, they were very big. Some um, What makes you choose this song for us to begin with?
0: Okay, now this was very difficult for me because I was trying to think of something that was really important to me when I was a kid. And I wanted to say that the first song that I found was like, well, the first album I ever bought was an Alanis Morissette album. And that was pretty dope. But Hmm. the first album that somebody got me was Spice Girls and it was a cassette tape and I listened to it until it blew up. (laughs) And I ate so many pieces of that really rock-like chewing gum just so I could get the stickers.
1: <laughs> That's incredible.
0: It is. I feel like my teeth are still doing damage for that. Like, it is It is not okay.
1: Your dentist just looks in your mouth with, like, a, a shock. And, like, what happened? And you just say, Spice Girls.
0: Yeah, no, I feel like at this point, my, my dentist will just, like, casually do a checkup, and he'll sigh, and he'll go, son of a bitch. And I'm like, what? And he's like, Spice Girl gum.
1: <laughs> Sugar. I guess is the the missing spice. I, I don't know. There's something there. I'll workshop it. Um,
0: <laughs> cavities. <laughs> cavities. Cavity spice. Yeah.
1: So you were young, and you. Alanis Morissette, by the way, is like a a quite respectable like uh, thing to say when you're playing the all the old like what was the first album you ever got. Oh yeah,
0: and like I'm super proud of that one because like I I saved my tiny people money and I bought that and I thought that that was important. But like I wanted to be real and like as cool as Alanis Morissette's album was spice girls was still like the first love for me
1: (laughs) let's put some respect on the names of the spice girls like i'm i'm not interested in sort of pretending that they're not also very excellent in their own way
0: oh they're so good just a
1: very different way than alanis (laughs) even now as an
0: adult i'm like oh you can't not dance if you hear that
1: (laughs) (laughs) so how old were you like what are we what age are we talking about here
0: all right i'm feeling like when the spice girls came out i was like eight or nine Mm. picture it before the year 2000 we were all very scared we were gonna die but then five british women <laughs> with very specific singular assets of their character as you could tell by their name <laughs> formed a pop group
1: and they, they told us what they really wanted
0: <laughs> well yeah but like i mean just think about how crazy it was that this one band, like they were insanely big and i mean like it wasn't just like me from the perspective of like a 9 year old kid that was like i like their shoes and shiny hair but like this was like globally holy cow they were huge
1: yeah they had a hollywood movie like a year after they debuted like
0: right nobody does that who does that they're not the monkeys <laughs>
1: so like this this feels almost like i could answer this question myself and i don't want to assume like but what was it about the spice girls that sort of like made you so into them like was it the attitude the danceable music probably it was all these things i guess
0: i think it was all these things but also and you know like this is like baby steps into like girls that like music in my humble opinion it was cool to see just an all-girl group and yeah i know that objectively being boiled down to Sporty Spice or Posh Spice or Baby Spice. Baby Spice will put a pin in that because that's kind of creepy, but okay. But, you know, like, if you ignore that fact, it was from an eight-year-old perspective, like a group of all kinds of different women that were just singing songs, wearing cool clothes, and doing their own thing. And, like, that was really neat to see. Yeah. Because it was, like, one of the only things that I could think of that was immediately bigger than the Backstreet Boys.
1: Yeah and like their whole thing was like mutual like support and like friendship and like like it wasn't sort of a competitive girls against girls things so it was it was a team it was a girl team.
0: And that was so cool to see because i mean you know like even if you just go back and revisit any of the good old school tv dramas that you would watch because you fake sick and stayed home from school girls were always pitted against each other like even if like you know the the guy cheated on the girl then it was like the two girls put against each other and that's like a perpetual dialogue that i feel is always going to be ongoing yeah you know and and i don't know how much of this is for the cameras but like between the movie and like the videos they all just seem like they were having a good time just doing their thing
1: (laughs) so i have to ask i feel like this is a contractual obligation if if the spice girls come up and you're doing something like this uh which spice girl was your favorite or that you identified with
0: Oh, man, definitely, definitely Sporty Spice, because I I begged my parents for, like, the pair of pants with the white stripes (laughs) going down the base, Mm -hmm, and, like, mm -hmm. this is, like, I don't know how else to tell you that I'm old now other than using that sentence, but I would wear those with, like, platform sneakers and be like, I am the shit. This is great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Were you otherwise into, like, sports and athletics, or was it just the aesthetic?
0: Uh, I was really, really into it, but really, really bad at it. So, um, you know that kid that's in the hospital roughly once a week for like a different variation of concussion and the doctors all know you by name and the social worker is like, uh, that was me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we need enthusiastic amateurs. That's good for the world.
0: Listen, like without people like me, jackass wouldn't be a thing. (laughs)
1: all right so you're growing up in newfoundland um you're into the spice girls you are like uh an enthusiastic but not particularly talented uh, um sporty type uh... yes what
0: i what i lacked <laughs> in um sports technical advancements i made up for with depraved enthusiasm
1: <laughs> fantastic so were you like musical uh, or or at all or tell me a uh... bit more about the rest of your life
0: yeah, no. Um, well, the funny thing is, is that in my family, I think I'm one of the only ones that can't sing, uh, which which bothers me
1: because
0: <laughs> I still do it a lot. But it's mostly off putting. Like, I feel like at this point, me singing is, uh, you know, when you're at a dentist appointment and you have a dentist that's talking to you in between singing, uh, even though they shouldn't do either because you can't respond. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yep. that's basically my tone is that it's mostly I don't know the words. I am positive. I'm annoying people. I am mostly going boo, boop boo, boo, boo. boo. Like, a robot that has developed very specific feelings for music. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I learned how to play a bunch of instruments, and I apparently have a good ear for it. I just uh, don't have the vocal cords for it. So this this is the magic of making robot sounds. I
1: guess <laughs> you're just you're just robot bebop. Will just have to come along, and you're just very very far ahead of the curve. So
0: oh, I'm so waiting for that. Well, I don't know. I think um, my sister used to always compare me to Grrr from Invader Zim, where he's just oh like do do do, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I I identify with that a bit harder than I maybe should. <laughs> um, and I can do like vocal impressions is the worst thing. And they're not great, but I'm really happy with them. But they are not good for singing. So uh, in my adult life, I have learned that I can do a good impression of Miss Piggy singing Cardi B.
1: Oh my god, that's a marketable skill.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to find a way to make it marketable rather than deeply concerning, but I mean, baby steps. <laughs> well,
1: well, when I say marketable skill, I more so mean like that's a viral video in the making. I don't think there's a lot of depth <laughs> to that. I think, I think that's lightning in a bottle material there, so...
0: I feel like I'm just operating some very innovative stuff, sir.
1: <laughs> so, so you, you're a comedian. And uh, what I'm getting from some of the things you've been saying right now is that you are kind of like an outgoing, extroverted sort of energy. That, at least that's what I'm picking up. Uh, feel free to correct me. No,
0: no, no. I love people. I'm just so bad at it. <laughs> so, like, a bad extrovert? Because, like... I feel like I have, like, the internal dialogue of an extrovert where I'm like, I want to be where people are, and then they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, interacting with you.
1: <laughs> so I'm sort of interested, like, uh, were you, like, class clowny? Were you, like, making your friends laugh at this age? Or was that sort of a skill you sort of purposely tried to develop in yourself? Or talk to me a bit about your history with, like, comedy.
0: Okay, well um I only got diagnosed with ADHD this year, which is great. Um because uh like I got I've, I've always been like mentally I've had a lot of stuff on the go, which is fine, I guess. But uh with ADHD, apparently it's really common in women, especially that like I felt like I was really dumb, so I had to make up for that by at least being kind of funny. Hmm. Uh, which is not, not fantastic, but you know, you feel a bit better knowing that a lot of other people had similar experiences. So I don't think I'm actually funny at this point. I think I'm just like weird enough that people are laughing, but I don't know if they're laughing because they're uncomfortable or they're laughing because I'm actually funny, but like, (laughs) Uh, I think I've made too many jokes that are like darker than I mean them to be and then somebody will laugh nervously before they're like Should I call someone for you?
1: (laughs) I still remember I was in my second year at university at Munn, And I was taking a class on science fiction and fantasy literature and there was another person in my class I can't even remember her name, but she was so smart And I was so in awe of her and at some point she just casually remarked that laughter is actually a form of screaming And I was like, holy shit, you're right.
0: Oh, I love that. (laughs) That's such a good way to look at it. And now I'm going to be really upset every time I do well at a comedy event. I'll be like, why are you all yelling at me?
1: They're all all happy screaming. They're happy screams. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. But, yeah, like... I have read and I have heard that often ADHD goes undiagnosed in women also because it can manifest in ways that people might not be looking for because they're used to the stereotype of the... uh, rambunctious disobedient boy you know
0: oh absolutely and like when i was a kid i'm saying kid loosely but like when i was in high school and junior high more like i i think i had spent a lot of my time waiting outside a classroom just because i was kind of relentlessly trolling a teacher uh which i'm not necessarily (laughs) proud of but that's the best way i could describe it like at the time i was like no i'm right they need to listen and now as an adult i'm like man you were annoying weren't you (laughs)
1: Uh, one of the main reasons I didn't go into education is I remember what I was like as a teenager and I was one of the good ones Like <laughs> Teachers had to put up with a lot basically
0: I always felt really bad for my sister because she had a lot of the teachers that my brother and I both had and two of us mm-hmm. were very similar I guess in our dispositions where we were <laughs> I think that we were smart But we didn't apply ourselves in a way that teachers had hoped So it was usually like elaborate schemes to do things for no reason other than to give teachers gray hair uh, <laughs> Is what I'm gathering in hindsight but my sister started junior high and half the teacher she had had already burnt out between my brother and i and they were just like you're a walsh go outside you know what you did uh, <laughs> which was fair i guess
1: <laughs> well you know we, we can't help these things although we now that we are sort of moved on to talking about like your teen years maybe that's a good point for us to pivot into your second song
2: who? all right.
0: Are you ready yeah. for the angst?
1: Yeah, I am. Uh, we're, we're, we're leaving behind the Spice Girls and going to some heavy territory over the next couple of songs.
0: I feel like I should have just like added the disclaimer that there was a Moffat's phase in between these two. It's just we didn't have
1: enough room. Oh, the Moffats! You you just ended up on the cutting room floor. We're so sorry to the Moffats, who are basically like Canada's Hanson, right? That's
0: literally <laughs> what they were. But also, you know, they had they had pretty hair and they played guitars, and I had a crush on one of them. And then somehow everybody was surprised when I wasn't straight in my later years. But it is <laughs> what it is. <laughs>
1: No, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm laughing so much. But when I came up to my mom, she was like, "But you love Tori Amos so much," and I was like, "Mom,
0: no, no, not that
2: kind
1: of love." <laughs> it's like, yes, yeah, so our, our our fixations on pop art pop figures need not sort of signal our sexuality or they do but not in ways that are legible to Not
0: others. yeah not in the way that was <laughs> tangibly accessible to uh my mom because i literally remember that discussion where i was like i think i like girls she's like no you don't and i was just like are you sure because like <laughs> skinny teenage boys with long hair when i was a kid were kind of like i was like that's just androgynous enough yes <laughs> we're meeting in the middle
1: fantastic okay so uh, we didn't even introduce this song but let's what 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 is the next song we have we know it's angsty
0: okay it's it's not quite teen spirit but it's a little bit that's a little bit before that or sorry after that my bad sorry nirvana uh but Frances Farmer will have her revenge on seattle
1: this is uh, as we've said kind of a departure in tone
0: oh boy <laughs> so, yeah you went from wannabe to kurt cobain at his uh, most heroiny
1: yes we have zigzag to like a song inspired by an actress who was a paranoid schizophrenic who had electroshock therapy and possibly a lobotomy thank you genius.com for informing me about that <laughs> oh i'm so thrilled you looked that up <laughs> Oh, I I always do whole minutes of research on the songs that people send me.
0: Oh, that's oh that that's just a little heartwarming. Thank you. <laughs>
1: So, uh, we've already mentioned um, the, like, uh, non-straight sexuality, uh, but I don't know what else might have been. And, and undiagnosed ADHD. So, <laughs> why, why don't we unpack some more of the teenage traumas?
2: I feel
0: like at this point, yeah, this is more of, like, me making up for my uh, my psychiatrist retiring. It's <laughs> just being
1: like, yeah, I'll do your show. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the first time that it's been likened to therapy sessions, but... <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, like, I'm also currently, like, a so like the amount of times i'm like would you like coke or pepsi and they're like my father died at 13 and this is essentially like an extended version of that where people are like no 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 we don't want to hear about your feelings we want we want funny anecdotes and i'm like you'll get what you get
1: (laughs) yep well i do want to hear about your feelings so lay it on
0: me (laughs) um yeah so i guess in about grade nine uh now i would like to also add the notice to this one kirkowain had died like 10 years before I figured that out. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
0: So this was a double whammy because I found this great music that I was really into and I felt like it resonated with me. And then I was like, oh, the lead singer who I'm in love with died when I was like six. This is a lot. (laughs) Yep. But uh, yeah, Heart Shape Box was probably my favorite album that they put out. I love the sound. I love the art. I just felt like an instant want to go do my own things. Mm. which i guess like nothing had up until this point really inspired me to do. Now mind you all the things i did were very very bad cuz i was like 13. So it was like super dramatic. It was like very 90s but in 2000s. Uh it wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> I had the aesthetic of the goth kid in the breakfast club.
1: There are worse things.
0: Oh, for sure, but it was it was definitely like a phase that i think um i think was like a really big part of my formative years <laughs> it mm-hmm. was my nirvana phase.
1: Yeah. And I mean, e- even if we sort of cringe when we look back, these are often necessary things for us to go through. Like,
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, I feel like if I just skipped from Spice Girls to now, I'd be like, well, <laughs> the earth is probably <laughs> fine. Right. And I don't need anything to temper my, my sunny nineties optimism. Do I?
1: Of course not.
0: (laughs) Why would you do that?
1: (laughs) So you say that um, Nirvana inspired you. Uh, Like, creatively? Like, are we talking about, like, you writing songs, poetry, painting, other things?
0: (laughs) Um, Well, I got really into playing more often, because I was learning guitar and bass around that time. And, uh, yeah, well, my logic was that I can't sing, so I'll learn other stuff. And then... It was very funny because I'd try to play with other kids, and uh, it would be 50-50. It would either go really, really well, and then we wouldn't have time for it, or it would be three people fighting, but then they got stoned, so nothing got done. Oh, no. Well, I mean, incidentally, I feel like that's like a pretty good paraphrasing of a lot of bands. So yeah, I do feel like okay in that representation <laughs>
1: sure and I mean what are you like you're like 14 or something right
2: (laughs)
0: oh for sure like what else do you do I lived in Newfoundland and I was 14 and I went to a public high school with like I don't know 1500 kids at the time so you just kind of wing it at that point Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I found a group of other kids that also liked really depressing music by dead musicians I think we all hung out and just tried to like one-up each other with angsty Kurt Cobain knowledge
1: i'm I'm just imagining you sneering at someone like oh they like music that are made by people who are still alive
0: basically yeah like i felt like (laughs) this weird sanctimonious smugness (laughs) two kids that were like i really like what madonna did i'm like "Mm, madonna yes still living (laughs) i see
1: i at 14 have wrestled with mortality and you have not
0: (laughs) (laughs) well yeah basically that obnoxious kid that's just like you know people are just like this is really good cake and i'm like you know you're gonna die right (laughs) (laughs) so what i'm saying is that i've literally always been a bummer um (laughs) thanks
1: but a a fun bummer (laughs) like
0: I mean I feel like you shouldn't Google that exact phrase unless you're looking for like a safe search off situation. But yeah. (laughs) Unless you
1: know what you're looking for.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For sure. But yeah, no, I am. I'm a visual artist, but I started getting, I guess, more and more into painting uh, because when I was a kid, I found out like um, somebody had bought me Kurt Cobain's journals when they published because I guess Courtney Love ran out of money, which, you know, I definitely benefited from. But as an adult, I'm like, this feels weird. I shouldn't have access to this guy's journals. But okay, I'll still read it. But he had a lot of different like uh, cartoons and drawings that he'd done that were published then. And also I didn't realize that a lot of the album art was painted by Kirk Cobain. And then I was like, oh well, I like painting. I should do more painting. And now again, this just basically was like five years of really angsty, heavy on the ink, scary pictures <laughs> that I think would concern most guidance counselors. Uh but I had fun, I think. Well, I had what looked like fun, I guess.
1: <laughs> it was something to pass the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I think it only it only concerned a handful of people. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that was, that was something neat to kind of figure out that I was into based on other people's interests. But, you know, it was when you're a kid and you look like next to you and the kid's doing something at the desk next to you and you're like, that looks fun except, you know, in my instance, it's a uh, musician that's been dead for 10 years yeah. and did a lot of drugs before that, so I was like, alright, confusing message, I'll take it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like, I I kind of was like, oh, it's something to pass the time, like, that was <laughs> meant lightly because, like, I was also a very serious teenager who was very, uh very focused on sort of darker themes and the things I liked, and it's it's funny looking back, because you're, like, 15 years old, and, like, come on, <laughs> but, like, I, I, I I honestly think th- those are attempts to sort of wrestle with like big difficult things and just because teenagers are also like arrogant and whatever they, they think they've got to figure out immediately but like you know th- those are legitimate like first steps in like difficult like work of being a human in the world <laughs> so like, oh, absolutely. I do respect it
0: <laughs> well and you know it's kind of one of those things that I figured out early on is that like I grew up in a lot of like kind of I guess chaos for the lack of a better word because like our family mm-hmm. unit was kind of Definitely unconventional. I don't know how this makes for me as an adult, but I'm one of those people that like folds the pages in a book instead of getting a bookmark. So like, I I'm definitely a monster. (laughs) I just felt that it was kind of neat to have stuff that I felt was similar to how my brain worked, whether or not it was actually similar, but like at the time it was just neat that there was This whole other group of kids and people that were really, really, really into Nirvana or like Smashing Pumpkins or some other music that The Simpsons would say would make depressed teenagers like crazy. But um, I just found that like kind of a constructive way to be sad, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: A constructive way to be sad is a great way to put it and I mean also like they're lonely years and so like finding people who have a shared interest uh, or even one that's just next door to it like is very good for sort of feeling a sense of like oh bonding with others you know it's,
2: <laughs> yeah
1: like music is super important to teenagers identity <laughs> like it's really funny because now when I'm like I'm a 38 years old right now I was like I don't I don't care if my friends like the same music I like. It's like, they can like what they like. I like what I like. But when you're 16, it's like, oh, it's so important. You have to take this mixtape, because mix CDs weren't yet a thing. Like, you have to take this mixtape and listen to this. And if you don't like it, we can't be friends.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: No, that that actually, that resonates. (laughs) Well, because when you're 16, like, you don't really know (laughs) who or what you are. Like, I mean, I remember not knowing, like, what... I don't know what way to introduce conversations of like your orientation or your interests or your fears or your wants for after high school. And it was just neat because unfortunately, when you're a kid, it kind of, I mean, the broadest net cast is like what you like.
2: Yeah. um
0: and you learn from that because like i mean like you said now like we're in our 30s i could give a hoot what you listen to with the exception of a couple of bands but okay
1: (laughs) yeah it's still exciting if you meet someone or like you have a friend who likes the same things but it's like it's not at all a make or break thing (laughs) like
0: oh my no except uh, i will draw the line like i do have friends that i love dearly but if you bring a guitar to a house party and break out wagon wheel like you're (laughs) you're dead to me
1: you know that's a very you might not you you may or you may not have realized that's a very newfoundland thing you've just said because people generally don't bring instruments to house parties in Ontario (laughs) and i kind of miss it but like i i i would step outside during wagon wheel sure like i don't need to be here for this
0: no that was a that's one of those things that I've kind of because like i mean we have dual citizenship in my family so like britain i've gone to house parties and i'm just like oh none of you have brought Okay, that's cool. I mean, I guess we could talk about things and just casually sip wine. But I mean, I feel foolish because I'm wearing a full body band suit right now. (laughs) Like with the drums on the back and the cymbals on the knees. But it's it's like one of those very almost exclusively Newfoundland things. Uh, Apparently, Ireland is very similar. And uh, I wish to go there Mm. and confuse them also.
1: Absolutely. So you've mentioned um, some things about your family. You said that you had an unconventional family union. You said that you've had uh, that or that you have dual citizenship and that you spent some time in the UK with family. Uh, so why don't you tell me a little bit about that? I'm, I'm interested to hear. Okay.
0: Very cool. Uh, my mother is actually from the UK, Britain. Um, so I think she's lived here 30 odd years and she still has a British accent, but She has, uh, she's, she's in the last couple of years, I'd noted that she'd added a lot of Newfie slang. Oh yeah. So I feel like you haven't lived until you've heard a British person like yelling, like, what are you even at? I, I'm like, Oh dear. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's very hard on the ears. Like it doesn't hit right. Um,
1: <laughs> it's a weird flavor combo.
0: <laughs> well, and yeah, just, I think between my mum being British and, uh, my dad was from here, but he didn't really have much of an accent. So I don't incidentally feel like I have one. Um, except like i'll notice little things but like the last time i was in ontario it was a couple of years ago um i was at union station and i was smoking and somebody came up and they were like can i have a cigarette and i was like no problem here you go take two and they looked at me really funny and took them and ran away and i was like i don't know what i did to upset you but i'm sorry <laughs> and then they came back and she was just like so you're either from halifax or newfoundland and i was like do i have an accent and she was like no you didn't tell me to go fuck myself so you're clearly not from here I was like, whoa,
2: <laughs>
0: Toronto is kind of mean, but I mean, I like it.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. uh, it. Toronto can be very cold. Let's put it that way.
0: Well, yeah, like, I mean, I have a lot of friends that have suggested that I go to like a bigger place to do comedy. And uh, I feel like I am just sensitive enough that it will end in like public threats of suicide. Uh, so like maybe, no. maybe it's not for me. <laughs>
1: no there's a mm, (laughs) i don't want to say anything bad about the city where i've chosen to make my permanent home
2: but
1: um it it can be tough to sort of make a home here so yeah
0: oh absolutely and like i've always enjoyed my time there and the people i get to meet and hang out with but uh, i think ultimately i'm i'm too sensitive for most places
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because like newfoundland i've one thing i always feel about newfoundland is part of the newfoundland character is that there's a willingness to like fight like if someone offends you you'll just like flare right at them but then it's over and done with <laughs> like...
0: oh my gosh yes well like um good example i i worked at a restaurant that we use chopsticks um it was like a ramen place and um one time this guy basically raised his hand like he was in school and he was just like excuse me miss and i was like yep he was like i'm from monday pond and i instinctively tightened my hand around the empty beer bottle that i was holding so i was ready to fight this guy because i was like i don't know who you are or what i did to you but i'm ready and then he was like may i have a fork i can't use chopsticks and i was like oh well that was a weird time for me to realize that my fight or flight reaction is super Sensitive, for lack of a better word, but it was like the most noofy reaction I think I've ever had.
1: There are two types of listeners to this episode right now: <laughs> one who knows what Mundy Pond is, and is like, "Oh, okay, okay, you have a prejudice against people from Mundy Pond. That makes sense. Only if you're from Shea Heights." <laughs> Oh my God! Shea Heights is the most beautiful view of the city, it really and does. Uh, everyone shits on it all the time. <laughs>
0: I don't even know why I did it. I think I just did it to fit in with our Monday Pond crew. All three of you that are listening to this. <laughs>
1: uh, and then there's people who do not know these neighborhoods. <laughs> this makes no sense to them. But hopefully, hopefully, context clues will give them enough to pull them along.
0: Yes, just uh, I mean, think about whatever very intense gang rivalries you know about, but then dial those down to like one, a soft one. And there you have it. That's Newfoundland. Yeah,
1: sprinkle in a little sort of quasi Irish ish flavor, bit of pirates.
0: Yeah. I always tell people it sounds like Brad Pitt from snatch.
1: Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, why don't we move on to your next song? Uh, Cause I feel like it's a good time to do that. What do we have in uh, slot? Number three.
0: Well, I want you to remember a time where Edward Norton dated Courtney Love to movie premieres and it was a strange and beautiful time to be alive. I'm talking about the disgusting time period in the 90s where Fight Club used the Pixies and this song.
1: Monkeys Gone to Heaven?
0: No, wait, that was the wrong song. Well, I tried my best.
1: <laughs> I, I, uh, I I did not remember that in the film, so I was like, oh, okay. But I, I listened to the right song, right? We are talking about Monkeys Gone to Heaven?
0: We are. Okay. I don't, uh, you know what? I want to tell you that I'm high, but I'm not. Uh, there is no excuse for that brain fart, and I apologize. <laughs> but I won't tell you to edit that out. That's fair. I I, I feel bad, and I should live with this. <laughs>
1: it's humanizing it's humanizing to to have a little slip
0: (laughs) so far all the listeners were just like oh this girl with the spice girls and the moffats we had such high hopes for her
1: (laughs) we shall have to look elsewhere for our paragon
0: (laughs) (laughs) excellent use of the word paragon
1: (laughs) so we have the pixies um so, basically, if you're into sort of, like, Nirvana, I can see how that could be a gateway drug to the Pixies.
0: Oh, absolutely. That that led me directly into the Pixies.
1: And so, what period of your life were we talking about here? Is this, like, sort of college age or still high school? or
0: tail end of high school It was when I got really into, I guess, playing more music and, uh... I think my big thing was basically I, I did two things when I was high. Uh apparently I used to always uh, mess with the toaster, which my mother had noted every day. She was, was like, like every day you come home, you move the toaster. I don't know what you do. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing either. <laughs> and I used to also listen to music on my Walkman with 60-second anti-skip, which was coveted, by the way. Yep. And I would just like internally pretend to be Kim Deal cuz she played bass and I thought she was pretty cool.
1: I can't even believe I didn't think of that cuz I when you were talking about playing bass and guitar and you couldn't sing, I was thinking about yeah, but like a lot of these bands of this era do have like a cool girl in the band who's not a lead vocalist. Uh, a lot of them, like three, <laughs> but like still,
0: like <laughs> <laughs> all three of them bands, man, they know what they yeah. do.
1: But I was like, oh yeah, and I didn't even think, oh yeah, we got the Pixies coming up next, of course. Like, uh, so like, were you still playing with other people? Did you have like a band going or?
0: Oh gosh, no. I um I used to jam with people, but I mean. I think when it came time to buckle down and do things that were more serious, uh, I would usually be the flake because, mm. I mean, we had a lot on the go usually at uh, in my house. So basically when people are like, we need to practice every day and we need to go to gigs and we need to. And I was like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm just going to I'm just going to keep dicking around in my basement because it made the most sense to me, I guess. Like I didn't take it overly seriously. Plus, I was playing like. A lot of other instruments that I don't really know if they had like a spot because mm. like I, uh, I used to teach clarinet and sax oh, that's cool well yeah they're cool now but when you're a teenager you know like and you're at a party and you're trying to impress like people to maybe convince them to make out with you you're not like hey you want to see me play a
1: clarinet <laughs> my embouchure or whatever they call it
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got a new read and I could blow
2: your mind <laughs>
1: i'm also thinking too this is a little bit before like the indie music explosion where having like all kinds of weird instruments in your music was like a thing like
0: oh yeah like arcade fire had just kind of peaked their head a little bit and they were essentially like a bunch of band nerds but like this was before then so me being like hey baby you want to come back to my house and play bass clarinet <laughs> did not land
1: <laughs> you know in another universe where like uh you were like born 10 years after uh you were like like recording crazy experimental music on your laptop and just like blowing the world away
0: (laughs) oh yeah no like if i'd only had the presence of mind to be born 10 years later i think i would have crushed (laughs) it
1: so uh we are talking about the pixies and this specific song um what made you choose this one in particular
0: i just really enjoyed the way that both the vocalists played with each other. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was something that I've always kind of appreciated. Like I've always kind of liked, I guess I don't really know how else to describe it other than like a male female duet almost. Cause you have one that's super low and super rough. Mm-hmm. And then you have like a higher softer kind of like almost more melodic in the background or even in the foreground, depending on the band, which is pretty rad. And, like, I just really liked that dichotomy of, you know, the lead singer screaming his head off and then Kim Deal just steps in super cool and just sings a chorus. and I don't know why that just uh, spoke to me, but it did
1: yeah no, I mean I in general, that's something that I also really uh, enjoy and not not a lot of bands actually do, but like male female, or it could even be like um like not having that gender split, but like two voices that are very different in tone quality
0: absolutely it's
1: it's just a nice sort of variety and sort of like uh, sweet and sour or I don't know, like, it's it's nice to have that sort of uh, variety in, in the same song
0: <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, I agree, but now in my head all I'm thinking is, I like salty and sweet, <laughs> um which is, yeah, it's my motto for bands, I guess. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. I want, uh, my this band is a real sea salt brownie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's all that I want out of music or life. And now I want a sea salt brownie. So I have to cut this short because I got to go do that. Yeah.
1: Sorry, Liz Fair.
0: <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I know that we have to talk about your feelings right now, but not today. Yeah,
1: it's spoiler for the next song. <laughs> Whoops.
0: I mean, like, I feel like if it started with the Spice Girls and it went like an angsty girl route, I I feel like that's just in the mix. Yeah,
1: it's it's predictable. This is what happens when you inject Spice Girl jeans into the Pixies, I guess.
0: Oh yeah, no, like I feel like if the Spice Girls and the Pixies had a baby, the result would be um well, I feel like it would just actually be a Santian guitar that's wearing one platform <laughs> sneaker, but it's it's like a manifestation that has strayed very far from God's light. <laughs>
1: I have to say, I always take uh, episode titles from something the guest said. You've given me so many good ones. I don't know which I'll pick.
0: (laughs) See, this is what I mean. I'm not actually funny. I'm just weird. And people are like, I never know if they're laughing seriously or nervously.
1: I'm laughing seriously, but my sense of humor really responds to uh, wordplay and unexpected turns of conversation. So you're doing great.
0: (laughs) Okay. No, I feel like both of us will get a uh, a wellness check after this (laughs) debuts. Uh, Which, you know, it is what it is. We'll, we'll do it. Like, oh, you again. <laughs> well, actually, I'll remember it until I die, but one time I did a show at Yuck Yucks, and I can't remember if it was in Newfoundland or if it was in Halifax, but... After the show, I was outside, and this girl came up to me, and she was like, oh my god, that was so funny, blah blah blah, and I was like, oh, thank you, because like I don't know how to deal with pretty girls talking to me, <laughs> and then she was just like, it's a good thing that you're not that awkward in real life, though, and I was like, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: this is a character I perform.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much, I was like, yes, this is totally a character, I am in real life, cool as a cucumber mint, um... <laughs> all of those things and the whole time i'm talking to her i'm just like i have to pee and now i'm nervous so i have to pee twice as much but i can't leave the conversation until i've proven that i'm not as awkward as she thinks i might be in character (laughs) it was very convoluted to worry uh in hindsight but it's probably a good way to sum up me doing comedy
1: no, what let's move on to Liz fair that's where the conversation's going
0: this is a totally normal conversation in the english <laughs> language by the way before Liz fair
1: yes before Liz fair uh as, as we say blp before Liz fair <laughs> um all right so yeah our next song by the way, is Liz Fair, why don't you tell our listeners what song it is?
0: Well, this song, sir, was featured in Chasing Amy, Kevin Smith's movie about a bass-playing blonde girl that is not straight and makes comics. <laughs> it very clearly might have struck a chord with me.
1: <laughs> so this is California that we're talking about.
0: Absolutely. But that's why.
1: those uh, and uh, it's really interesting to me because you you've framed several of these now uh, via film but uh, chasing Amy as you've <laughs> just sort of implied seems like it resonated
0: <laughs> uh yeah well I mean like this this one has layers to it because um, when I first found Liz Fair it was I think it was exile in Guysville. Mm-hmm. And it was right after, I guess, the first really bad breakup I've had. And everybody knows that the first time that you break up with somebody or they break up with you, uh, your whole world has ended. Mm -hmm. If you're young and aimless enough, you will move. And I'm saying that in quotations to a different province uh, for like a week and a half. So essentially, you've taken a trip. You haven't moved. (laughs) And then you come back. And for some reason, you have bangs. And then you just get on with it. But that was uh, that was me. But the soundtrack was Liz Fair.
1: Fantastic. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, not fantastic. That, that sounds like you know awful, but like also like you know uh, an important part of growing up, I guess. <laughs> like...
0: Yeah. No, it's a, it's an important lesson to learn, I guess. <laughs> when you're just like, so my feelings really hurt, but also this song is a jam. All deal. Yeah, I-
1: Exile, and Guy- Exile and Guyville is like, you know, a very important teacher for people our age. So.
0: Oh, for sure. Like, I just felt like I like that she has almost this like monotony voice. Yeah. I like that half the lyrics are really sweet and the other half are like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> Which, like, sat well with me, because I was like, what the fuck am I doing, Liz Fair?"
1: <laughs> yeah, Liz Fair is also, like, kind of really funny sometimes, like, in this weird, uh, like, off-kilter way.
0: <laughs> She's so funny. Yeah, like, I always felt like it was, like, if Daria Morgendorfer tried to be, like, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: a little more into the guitar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, if if Trent had convinced Daria to record a demo, like
0: absolutely see this is for the real the real cartoon fans
1: Uh, (laughs) anyone younger than 30 stop listening right now
0: (laughs) anyone older than 30 and well basically
1: if it's your if it's your 30th birthday you're allowed to listen to this
0: (laughs) (laughs) but only your 30th birthday
1: so uh but california is like this is a Liz Fair song I didn't know. Uh and it's it's different from a lot of her material. And immediately knowing something about you and your history that you had like did stand up and you're a comedian and, and whatnot, I was like, oh, this is like a stand up song. This song clearly must represent Sarah's time doing stand up. Uh am I right about that or
0: kind of, yeah. Cause I mean that was I think I was around seventeen or eighteen when I started doing stand up, and I really loved that song just because I mean the way it opens is uh, you know, this liz fair is telling a joke lp is joking around (laughs) and but like that's the whole song and that's something that i really like is that the whole song is this really long joke that you would hear from a guy plastered at a bar that is serving you alcohol even if you're 15 because they don't care because that's what kind of bar it is um and it's punctuated by her singing this really pretty chorus yeah And I just, yeah, I just love that. Like, I just thought it was, like, so cool that she was telling this weird joke that almost (laughs) had no punchline, punctuated by, like, very pretty vocals.
1: She's also putting on a voice. Like, she's doing it in this weird accent, like, Midwestern-style accent or something. Uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which I love. And I tried to tell you before, that's why I left California. Is the That's what I was looking up. I had to look up the chorus because I could remember it being very sort of sweet and pretty, as you say, but I couldn't remember the exact lyric. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it is this sort of like weird, intr- she's telling this weird, meandering kind of joke about these two bulls. Who are going to go fuck a cow or (laughs) every cow. (laughs) uh,
0: Yeah, no, I just like, and and everything that you said, like the accent too, it just adds to it where he's just like, you know, he's just looking at him. He's looking at him. (laughs) And like, it's like, again, it sounds like somebody that is wearing a Bruins jersey at a wedding, (laughs) which again, I have considered doing, so I'm not judging you, but I mean, like proper Boston being like, yeah, so I got this joke. (laughs) um
1: (laughs) yeah but then like she cuts in with this chorus which is like uh, from a different universe and it's like like it's it's almost as if it's one line from an entirely different song that's about sort of like a breakup or something yeah and it's it's such an interesting sort of like dichotomy where like it'll every chorus it just sort of the steering wheel jerks to the left and then we go back to the verses like oh we're back to the cows now
0: (laughs) yeah i just really like that dichotomy because like i mean it almost took you out and put you back in repeatedly Because you just had this really pretty almost like ethereal sounding vocals because they sound like they're almost a little bit echoed Mm -hmm. like it's just like it's super it's just like a sweet song and it sounds like a little bit sad and a little bit funny and then it cuts back to Liz Fair doing, like, a Boston <laughs> bar <scheme. laughs> which is glorious, by the way.
1: Like much early Liz Fair, like, the production is very, very minimal. So the fact that you can, like, feel there's a little bit of a reverb or echo or something on the chorus, like, you really notice it, because there's practically nothing else in terms of production.
0: Oh, yeah, it's just, like, it's a girl and a guitar, and occasionally a wah <laughs> Like, it's, uh... It's, it's definitely like, I feel like it's just one of those things that it's like, even now when I go back and revisit it, it's aged perfectly because it didn't really need a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. And I think that she kept it like very technically minimal and it was perfect. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's uh, it's just very distilled you mentioned your first like major breakup and going on a trip to a different province for a week and a half (laughs) thinking that you had moved because that's how we think at the time coming back with bangs and like i i immediately hooked that onto the chorus of this song where she says and i tried to tell you before that's why i left california but i just insert newfoundland instead of california
0: (laughs) (laughs) well yeah and then in in which case the uh the vocals for the joke would be like unintelligible. If you put on subtitles, it would just be a guy from like <laughs> the middle of the bay in Newfoundland being like, da, 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 <laughs> blah, 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 blah. like.
1: I'm, oh my goodness! Uh, I I want to sort of speculate about what part of the bay, but that will lose most of our listeners right away. So.
2: Oh,
0: okay. Well, friendly <laughs> listeners that are not from here, uh, pitcher. Just, just you know what? Close your eyes and picture a swamp. Uh, that's where I'm talking about.
1: But it's cold. It's a cold swamp.
0: Like a cold swamp. Not a loving swamp. Like a, a very cold
1: <laughs> I'm from,
0: driftwood. I'm from the Bay,
1: so I'm allowed to say these things. Alright, so, <laughs> All right. so um, let me gather my thoughts a bit here. So you started doing stand-up when you were like 17 or 18, I believe you said. Yeah. Do you still? I mean, well, we are living in sort of COVID hell times still. But like, were <laughs> yeah. you still doing stand up before the pandemic? And and have I guess your um your videos about death are kind of perhaps stand up ish in the digital era. What what why don't you tell me about your career uh, in comedy?
0: I feel like it's been very like peaks and valleys, which I'm okay with. It's the same for like any of the artistic endeavors that I've I've typically gone into. Is that I think I have it in my head that it's not going to be. My major source of income, which I'm okay with, which is why I think it's very like stop and go. Uh, basically, like with comedy, I'll get on a roll where, I mean, like a couple of years ago, I had like two festivals back to back, and then I just stopped doing it for a couple of months because I was like, I think that's enough, <laughs> which is bizarre because it. I feel like if you have any hustle in you, uh, you should probably (laughs) do more. But, like, it was just a weird way to kind of, as a litmus test, to figure out that my fight or flight is not uh, developed, I guess. Mm. (laughs)
2: Like,
0: if somebody's just like, if you don't do this show, you're never going to work again. I'm like, well, I had a good run.
1: (laughs) You know, the the universe won't end.
0: Well, that's pretty much it. Like, I mean, like, every time I've thought about things, and I'm almost like, oh, you're missing opportunities. I'm like, but, you know... There'll be, there'll be more. <laughs> like, I don't mean to sound very, like, overly cocky about it. I don't necessarily think that I am. It's just, there, there's always something that you could be at. And if you don't like the shows that are happening locally, you can organize your own.
1: That is, I think, a really unusual and healthy attitude. Because, I mean... For me, every time I like I fuck up or I miss like uh opportunity, I'm like, oh no, that could have been the big one or or whatever. <laughs> and I'm sure that's yeah. really common for people to think that way and sort of catastrophize over that. Whereas you're like, oh yeah, whatever, like roll with the punches, like not not every egg will hatch. It's fine. <laughs> like, you know.
0: Oh, yeah, no, but that's like after years of like therapy and failure um because <laughs> for a really long time well for starters when i first started doing comedy i used to throw up before every show uh because i was anxious like m but less cool
1: <laughs> mom's spaghetti yes
0: i always wondered why his mom made spaghetti on rap battle night like did she not know
1: something with less acid in it mom <laughs>
0: <laughs> perhaps some dry toast <laughs> But, yeah, like, I went from being, like, super nervous about that, but, like, I used to kind of also take it with me in that a lot of the people that I work with were men, which, you know, like, they were, for the general most part of it, like, very kind people to me, like, gave me a lot of helpful hints. But, like, I always felt this weird guilt if I didn't do great and I was the only girl on the show because I was like, oh, I didn't just fuck up. I failed my gender, Uh, which is a very heavy thought process Mm -hmm. when you're, like, 18, 19. And then, you know, like this kind of stuff, I guess, perpetuated a little bit. And like, I even still think about it now. Like, I mean, there's times where I've eaten shit and I'm just like, well, fuck, (laughs) that doesn't look good for women. But I'm like, ultimately, one of the bigger things that I've had to kind of work on is that that's not your fault. You just need to do like your art and kind of hope for the best, but you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. But yeah, basically, I think that one of the things that somebody told me that was helpful was that you're not going to fix everything that's wrong with an art platform. Mm -hmm. So everything from like inherent sexism to different biases, to different internal beefs, like you're not going to be the one to single-handedly smooth those out, but like you just kind of do something that your conscience is cool with and you keep doing your own thing. And I was like, Oh, that's nice. And it only took like, Eight more years before that kind of sunk in a (laughs) little. And then one day I woke up and I was like 30 and I was like, oh, I haven't woken up to the sound of my own screams. And also I don't feel heavily responsible for everything happening. (laughs)
1: that's the, i mean first of all whoever told you that was very correct and very wise uh, second of all it's like yeah sometimes it does take years for these things to penetrate which is shocking
2: <laughs> i consider
1: myself an intelligent person i'm like wow that took me like eight whole years to learn that lesson wow <laughs>
0: but, <laughs> well yeah this is after like years of me literally walking off stage and being like i learned nothing
1: <laughs> but also like I-, I don't know about you it's funny you, you sort of pinpointed 30 but like I, something happened around the time I turned 30 and I just gave way less of a fuck about a lot of things and it was very liberating.
0: Oh yeah, no, that that's kind of where I'm at is that, um, I don't know, I turned 30 and I'm getting like fat in the skinny places and skinny in the fat places. I'm like, okay, that's different. Yeah. Um, like everything past that is kind of off my radar. <laughs> like I'm just like, all right. Yeah. Uh, my body is doing stuff that I... Uh, I I don't really know how to explain it other than, uh, you know what, like, I feel like sometimes it's humbling to age and other times it's horrifying. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I have a friend that warned me that she got chin hair when she was like 34. And I was like, is that is that gonna happen to me? Uh, so I've been keeping an eye out, and it hasn't happened yet. But I also would like to point out that I'm in my 30s, and I am still surprised by every period I've ever had. I'm like, how could this be? <laughs> um, so like, I'm aging kind of okay, and the other the other half of that is definitely questionable. We're
1: right back to we're right back to the conversation we had at the very start about like we're all just like on a on a rocket ship into a brick wall on this life, right? <laughs> know, we're, we're... Well. <laughs> Yeah. It's like oh we're gonna get oh we're gonna age and then eventually we're gonna die and like, you can't stop it so like
0: well yeah like and I'm at a confusing point in my life because like I don't look my age and I think it's because I have freckles and I have really big eyes so <laughs> like I essentially look like a worried twelve year old that smokes. <laughs> it is like it's my aesthetic. Like at this point, I got ID'd going to the liquor store a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the lady was like, "Do you mind pulling your mask down?" And I was like, "Sure." And I did. And she like zoomed in on my mask acne. And I was like, oh, my God, she doesn't just think I'm a child. She thinks I'm an ugly child. <laughs> oh, no. And then when I actually showed her my ID, she was like, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. And I was like, oh, my God, this was the full cycle of hurtful things.
1: <laughs> Got you from both sides.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, no, I went from being like, I'm not a kid to being like, oh, I'm not a man. <laughs> um, so it's just like that Britney Spears song. I'm not a girl and not yet a woman. <laughs> no
1: oh oh my goodness so i am sort of thinking about you talking about being really nervous before you do shows was that related to like the fact that you did feel this responsibility like you are the only woman here you better do good or they might not even have a woman next time or or something like that or was it just more like visceral animal terror of like being on a stage (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh definitely both to be honest like it was like I don't think I really cultivated my fear of uh you know letting down my gender until I'd been doing it for a while like and then it was like a whole new ball game of anxiety <laughs> Um, which was nice because before that it was just like a mild festival of my own insecurity, which, you know, like, is great. I feel like I, uh, I think I wanted to go out and be funny and make people laugh. And internally the dialogue was just like, I am trapped in a flesh prison and these strangers are looking at me. What have I done?
2: <laughs>
1: you know what i sense that this is a good pivot point to our last song and it was the phrase trapped in a flesh prison that did it for me
0: <laughs> i feel like that does it for most people yeah it's just the idea of just like oh chef's kiss you're you're not even a human you're just like a weird goblin wearing a sarah suit
1: <laughs> no 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 you you are homo superior let's talk about that <laughs> so, so what's our last song
0: Our last song is a personal favorite that has made repeat visits in my life over time. And uh, when he died, I literally listened to it for days. Oh, you pretty things, David Bowie.
1: So I listened to all these songs in order like last night, like as one does. Because you know it's meant to be a little—it's—it's it's a real waste of like space on an actual tape. Like it's only five songs, but like I, I wanted to listen to the
2: Mazurka.
1: Ah. Well, you know it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's the premise of the show. It's the least I can do.
2: Okay. But... Well,
0: put me on your mailing list. I will send you a mixtape for Christmas. Oh, wonderful! I need to find out how to make mixtapes, but I will do. I this. Need to find some
1: way to play tapes, but yes, indeed.
0: <laughs> you just find your friend with the oldest car and be like, "Hey, man, I need your vehicle. It's an emergency. You only got eight tracks." Fuck off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you have that weird tape you put in that can connect to a CD player?
0: (laughs) I just kind of want to one day revert. Like, you know how old stuff becomes cool again? Like, I'm kind of, I'm looking forward Mm -hmm. to like the 2025 Audi that comes out with like an active record player. (laughs) There is no passenger seat. It's just like a (laughs) Victrola record player that you have to wind and place the needle perfectly. And it doesn't hook up to your speakers. It's just a weird horn that comes out of the machine.
1: as if it was like 1905 or something.
0: (laughs) Yes. uh, Instead of cup holders, there's also cup holders for your arsenic because you need that.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, let's talk about David Bowie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) On the note of garters and meat cake, your friend and mine, David Bowie.
1: (laughs) So this is Oh You Pretty Things, um, which I think a lot of people, like it's, it's one of his more well-known songs and I, I, like and appreciate David Bowie, but I've never sort of deep dive. Do- I've never done a deep dive into him. I always think of this song as the Homo Superior song. Okay, uh, and you say it's been like because like that's that's you know in the. The, the sort of tagline of the chorus you know gotta make way for homo superior and I'm like yes yeah that is me i am homo superior because <laughs> i am a gay man and i am excellent Like, which is not actually i think what he intended it to mean but whatever i'm gonna take it that way
0: well <laughs> yeah you can take it that way i mean think about it david bowie started off as like a scrawny ginger kid from britain and ended as this gender-bending human that fell from mars like he was just this cool intergalactic.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't think he disintended. That's not a word. <laughs> I don't think he was would be against that reading. I think there's supposed to be layers here. I th- I think the homo is a little weak.
0: <laughs> Well, yeah, no, it's it's like many of the David Bowie things. Like, I mean the the pants from Labyrinth were enough of a nudge into puberty for most of us
1: (laughs) so you say that this has been like a big song throughout your life it's come back a bunch of times what is it about this song that like draws you in
0: i'm not even really sure what to tell you about that one like um when i was about i think 15 or 16 i uh i had a friend and he gave me like a box of cds and tapes that he just wasn't into anymore and uh, I was like, cool, I like all of these things. And um, Hunky Dory was one of them. And that was the album by David Bowie that that one's on. It's got Changes, it's got Life on Mars, and for whatever reason, Oh You Pretty Things, I think it was like the second or third track But, like, I listened to that song and that album like it was my goddamn job for, like, two consecutive weeks. (laughs) And uh, incidentally, I think I only know who David Bowie was in the first place because Nirvana covered him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's that's how I first knew about David Bowie, I'm pretty sure because in grade six they played the MTV Unplugged CD at recess all the time. they being the other boys in the class. So
0: well yeah, no. and and at that point in time that probably would have been me sulking in the background being like, yes, Kurt Cobain wanted <laughs> you to listen to it. you preps.
1: <laughs> but yeah, based on what you've told me over the hour we've been talking here, it's like it seems to make perfect sense to me that you would immediately be attracted to David Bowie's whole thing because he's like, this sort of, like, outsider figure who's also kind of really, like, regal and kind of owns it. There's no uh, lack of confidence in his presentation, but he's absolutely wanting to sort of shake things up and... and. But, uh, I don't know, I'm articulating myself poorly. Uh, what do you think?
0: Well, you know when you see somebody that is aggressively confident and you're just like, but how? Tell me your
1: secrets. <laughs>
0: Uh, this is this is one of the ways that I did feel about David Bowie is that I was just like, okay, look, man, I probably outweigh you and I'm a pretty scrawny teenage girl. <laughs> Why are you this confident? <laughs> like aggressively confident.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like confident in a way that because like, as you say, you probably outweighed him. Uh, he was like, you know, uh, sexually open and queer at a time when that was not at all unacceptable thing. He like was gender bendy. He used to play around with like being an alien. (laughs) Like like all kinds of things. (laughs) Well yeah.
0: I feel like I need to just clarify that like, you know, I'm not even like making fun of his weight, man. I'm just saying like at the time when you're a kid and you have this super rudimentary feeling about how you see things, it's all all the traditions that yeah. you've ever been given. And even if you grow up someone untraditionally, like in conventional fucking society, like at this point you're just like, oh, these are things that we accept as normal. Yeah. And then you have David Bowie, which is like being dropped in a big gray room and then all of a sudden everything turns into christmas lights and you're like <laughs> well that was unexpected yeah
1: and i mean i brought i brought up your comment on his weight because i was thinking like when i was young i would be terrified that i would get beaten up Aww. and like if he's well because you know that's just normal like we live in a well
0: yeah same
1: yeah we live in like a, a homophobic like patriarchal society so like if you are not a straight white man you are subject to violence sometimes and it's like oh my goodness but like david bowie how would you even defend yourself (laughs) like well yeah but he he doesn't care Like, like i
0: just i i think that i appreciated it because i was just like yes this is cool this is different and now, in the same breath, like I think I was in class with a girl that used to say that she was not from this planet, <laughs> and I want to say that I thought she was cool, but she was really intense, so I was actually just scared of her. Um, and if I had my time back, I think I would have made friends with her, um, if she wasn't... She Again, very intense. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like, in hindsight, she might have been another Bowie fan, or she might have been a person that you know legit thought that they were from space both are cool Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not not shaming anybody just uh (laughs) one of these things is a bit different
1: you know some sometimes we're not ready for some intense energy you know (laughs) well
0: listen i thought i was a witch for a really long time i still maintain that i am if i need to make somebody like you know worry
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm Well, you know, if you, uh, as far as Terry Pratchett's concerned, that's like ninety percent of witchcraft is just head games. So.
0: Well, yeah, at this point, I can tell you when the full moon is at any given moment without my calendar, so I think I'm crushing it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, like, the whole vibe of this song, as well, like, it's a song that's kind of about future evolution of the human race. Like, humans have outlived their use. Uh, like, our children are going to be something. Better than us, but also something like strange and not quite like understandable. And this is sort of the dawning of a new age. And and in, in that way, it's both like an unsettling song but an optimistic song, I guess. Yeah,
0: like I think that that's what I kind of liked about it is that it's got this like I don't know. I felt like it stuck with me because I say a lot of things that I don't think are necessarily pessimistic, but then I get people being like, "That's really mm. fucking morbid, dude," and I'm like, "Oh no, I thought I was just saying things how." I, they, they are to work. <laughs> um, so I kind of mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. the notion was overall positive while being, you know, not necessarily beneficial for us because you're saying like, well, look, man, in the future, this is what's going to happen. And we're probably not going to be here to see it. But this is pretty cool. <laughs> And, like, I, yeah, I felt like I liked that, even though it's, like, a little bit convoluted if you're thinking about it. So,
1: like, it's interesting, because this is the first uh, interview I've recorded since the pandemic began. And uh, part of that reason is, part of the reason why is because I didn't want to talk about the fucking pandemic with my guests.
0: <laughs> That's reasonable.
2: and I-
1: and I always like, I always would end a conversation by sort of asking someone, like, where are you right now? What's your energy going forward? And it's kind of unavoidable. Um, so I'm like, I'm thinking about this David Bowie song and I'm thinking about like the uncertainty of this time that we're in, uh, but also the promise that like, unusual but question mark better things are might be ahead um is this like the vibe you're sort of carrying forward into 2021 or or talk to me about the sarah of the future
0: (laughs) well first off i'm gonna have these mechanical legs uh that's all i've ever wanted oh
1: fantastic (laughs)
0: but yeah no i feel like that's i want to say that i planned to get less weird but i mean like okay i feel like i'm trying to look at time linear and it's not working for me Uh, (laughs) (laughs) how do i articulate self feelings um i feel like (laughs) i'm at a weird point in my life because when i was younger i thought a lot of the stuff that made me kind of weird i would have grown out of by now and as it stands i think i've just grown very much into them um (laughs) so now instead of being like an off-putting 18 year old that makes really weird comments at parties i'm like an awkward 32 year old that sometimes doesn't get invited to the parties based on what kind of parties they are (laughs) uh but i find this this is probably better uh so i feel like if we just keep going in this direction weirdly like you've mentioned previous the the shame thing stops following you quite so much like It's almost, you don't think that the world is caving in less, it's just that you have had three decades to accept it. So I feel like there's like an odd, (laughs) calm, liberating freedom in accepting total destruction in your 30s.
1: (laughs) Yeah, basically it's like the world is a frightening place that's always flying to pieces yeah whatever just like accept that truth and like live your life Like,
0: well yeah basically i feel like i turned 30 and i was like so the earth is slowly cooking itself however this week i finished the spinach before it turned mushy so like you know count your wins
1: <laughs> one hand gives the other takes away <laughs> like
0: <laughs> the earth giveth, the earth taketh.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So, I think this is a great spot to um wind things up. Uh before we go though, um we talked a little bit in the beginning about like your current projects and everything, but if people want to find you uh, on social media or like your projects, um, how would they? What's the best way they could do?
0: Oh, okay. The best way you can find me on the socials on Facebook. We, I'm saying we like the royal we. It's just me, but if I say we, it makes it sound like there's a team. <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Facebook on The Odd Ends, which is. Uh, if you're lost and there's other odd ends, it's literally just a picture of a girl playing with a grim reaper. Cause that's where I'm at. Uh.
1: <laughs> and that's on Instagram as well.
0: Uh, yeah. Also on Instagram, it is the odd ends. I toyed with the idea of putting them up on YouTube, but uh, just the aspect of the comment section of YouTube generally still frightens mm. me. Um, so I feel like I'm brave enough that I'm not scared of like bugs or heights anymore, and I'm like, that's pretty good. And then somebody's just like, oh, you should comment on this. I'm like, no, no, that opens you up to attack. Um,
2: <laughs> Fair.
0: Like, I think I would actually rather face off with like two pit bulls than um, <laughs> than deal with like the the YouTube comment section.
1: It's true that they are. Um uh oftentimes almost confusingly vicious so
0: <laughs> well like I, I think what was it that i watched the other day and it was literally a video that one of the kids that i, I babysat because through the pandemic we haven't been able to see each other so like we've just been like video chatting or sending videos to each other and um he's 10 and he yeah. sent me a video of a uh, bear sneezing like it was just like a little baby bear that sneezed <laughs> and i was like ah. and i made the error of scrolling down in the comments where like the first five are people just like heart love. And then the fourth person inexplicably says RIP granddad, uh, which was weird (laughs) given the context of the video. I was like, is the bear your grandfather Uh, followed by like, I think maybe eight people down was somebody said something real racist with zero context and i was like oh my god this is the internet
1: yeah and
0: i don't understand
1: it turns out having sort of like unbridled access to society's id is um kind of scary
2: so.
0: <laughs> well, a little bit like i mean like there's a lot of times that we've talked about like superpowers that we would want if we could have them and yeah when i was younger i used to want to have like a professor x thing where i could read people's thoughts and now the older I've gotten, I'm like, no, 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 none of that. I don't I don't want to know. I have enough anxiety thinking that they're thinking about me that I don't need to confirm that they're thinking about me. And uh, also, I kind of <laughs> quietly think back to the days before Facebook where you wouldn't know that your former coworkers were racist or <laughs> selling yeah. leggings in bulk. Um <laughs>
1: yeah but basically uh sometimes you just want to keep those doors closed
0: <laughs> essentially yeah like i feel like sometimes the monster's better kept in the closet
1: so what would your answer be now if uh what superpower would you want
0: i think i don't know i'm torn between like telekinesis or probably you know what i wouldn't mind flying mm. but none of that like arm flap and flying i just want to like think really hard with my mind and suddenly i'm on my roof.
1: <laughs> so kind of a combination flying teleporting gotcha
0: well essentially yes i'm very bad at push-ups and i feel like if i had like you know bird flight powers it would eventually help me get stronger at push-ups but like i i feel like i'm not good at push-ups because i'm not putting the work in and i don't want to jeopardize that
1: <laughs> fair well thank you so much for taking time to talk with
0: me no today. thank you so much for having me this was it was exceptionally difficult <laughs> to narrow down five songs but like it was definitely a weird a weird trip to take in my brain
1: yeah the five songs thing is like my unexpected slightly cruel streak like emerging. <laughs> but hopefully that's the only time that it comes i
0: mean out. like yeah i feel like if that's your your most sadistic then i i feel like you might be a good person like that's a good litmus test to be like how bad of a human are you not that bad we're good
1: Many thanks to Sarah for sharing her life and music with us, and for helping me to knock down the cobwebs and open up the shutters on this old house of a podcast. For more information about this episode, and for links to the things we discussed, you can find the show notes at megaphonic.fm slash mixtape slash 47. This Is Your Mixtape is a proud part of the Megaphonic Network. You can support the network by going to patreon.com slash megaphonic. For as little as $2 a month, you'll be able to hear bonus material and get access to a members-only Slack, which is kind of like a virtual clubhouse. In addition to podcasts, Megaphonic is now also a streaming micro-Empire. You can watch Chris from It's Just a Show, Solve Crosswords, or me play Stardew Valley, or various permutations of the whole gang play Jackbox at twitch.tv megaphonicfm. You can drop me a note on Twitter at EarlKing or at ThisIsYourMix, or via email at megaphonic.fm. My name is Michael Collins, and if you're hearing my voice, we made it. Until next time.